0: I wanna welcome you to the Love First Podcast and thank you for joining me. I'm actually recording this on my birthday, December 16th, and I'm turning 60 today and I'm excited about that. I did call my mom and ask, hey mom, what does it feel like that your youngest has turned 60? My mom replied, well, I think it means I'm still alive. (laughs) I got a kick out of that. I'll tell you a little bit more about that conversation with my mom in a few moments. If you've been joining us throughout 2020, you know that the driving mission of the Love First podcast is to catalyze courageous conversations that revolutionize the way we love. Yes, our hope is that the conversations we share on the Love First podcast do require courage, that it causes us to have to stop, think, contemplate, Look at our emotions, look at our history or how we imagine the future and meet those conversations with courage that we would actually fear less and engage more so that we can revolutionize the way we love. I want to say thank you to all of us who have joined us all year. Thank you for liking, subscribing and sharing. And I want to thank you for your feedback. I also want to thank you, if this is your very first time joining us, this might be the last one of 2020, but we will start again with a new series of episodes in January, and we want you to join us then. So thank you for joining us this evening. Our conversation this evening centers in this question, what does God want you to do next? So let's get into this conversation, because you see, our purpose is to catalyze courageous conversations, but don't forget the second part, to revolutionize the way that we love. One of the things that Jesus teaches us and models for us is, is that love, although it does need to be thought about, it does need to be defined, it does need to be considered, love isn't love until you act on it In it and through it. So, we're going to look at John chapter 13 and we're going to look at what Jesus teaches us about moving from conversation to action. John 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the fullest. Now, at this season of the year, where are our thoughts? Our thoughts are not on the Last Supper necessarily. Our thoughts aren't on the last hours of Jesus' life. At this time of the year, our thoughts are centered around the first minutes of Jesus' life. At this time of the year, we're not centered on the wood of the cross. We're centered on the wood of the manger. We're not centered on a lonely hill outside of Jerusalem where people were executed. We're centered in the loving arms of a father and a mother with their firstborn, trying to figure out what in the world it means that this child born to them would be the Savior of the world. But what we also know In those original statements, whether to Joseph or to Mary, about what this child would mean to the world, you do remember that they were told, you've got to name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. We know that Joseph and Mary had no idea of what all would come in Jesus' future. He was their first child. They were nervous like any parents of a first child. But right at the beginning, there was a foreshadowing of the moment we're reading about for our podcast this evening. Let's continue in verse 2. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power and that He had come from God. Notice the connection and was returning to God. So he got up from the table, and he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you now going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, well, see, you don't realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Now, Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So then Peter's all in. Well, then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Well, Jesus answered, those who've had a bath, They only need to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he did know who was going to betray him, and that's why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. So, notice the setting. This is the festival we know of of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which includes this special Passover meal. And what Jesus is doing in this setting is he is catalyzing a courageous conversation. Jesus is having a love first conversation with his disciples. He says, Do you understand what I've done for you? Now, what I'd like for you to do with me real quickly is step out of the upper room. Could you step out of the upper room with me? Kind of like in a movie when the the, the camera pans way back and we see the whole lifetime of Jesus. Do you understand what he's done for them? Did you notice that the Bible says Jesus knew he came from God, That's the beginning in the manger. He's going back to God. This is the night he'll be arrested. By the following day, he'll be dead. By the day after, he'll be in the tomb. But on that third day, he'll raise from the dead. Within a month and a half, he will ascend to heaven. Knowing he had come from God and was returning to God, he left his seat of honor at the table and he went about serving his disciples. What does it mean to us that we would have a consciousness like Jesus, that we would know that we had come from God, that we would then realize, well, God is also our future. If we've come from God and we're going to God, then the big question is, well, what should I do now? Well, if I don't acknowledge I've come from God, well, then that would influence how I answer that question. If I don't acknowledge that God is my future, that would also impact how I answer the question. But if I recognize, like Jesus, that I've come from God and that God is my future, it will absolutely impact how I understand what I'm to do right now. But Jesus models for us what we're committed to on the podcast, and that is let's have a courageous conversation. So Jesus says to them, do you understand what I've done for you? Not do you realize that I physically got up, poured H2O into a basin, took a towel, and put water on your feet and dried off Uh, your feet. No, he's, he's saying, do you comprehend what I've done? Are you able to connect the dots between who I am, what I've done, who you are, and what I want you to do next? See, when we ask the question, man, what does God want me to do next? Here in a few weeks, that's the hottest question anyone's asking. January first rolls around, and that is the hottest question everyone's asking. What do I do next? Well, man, it's COVID. It's weird. So normally I might be able to go to the gym and get fit, but man, I gotta get smart about how I'm gonna get fit. I've got a plan for this. I've gotta get I gotta get my imagination rolling because that's what I'm gonna do next. Some of you are really hitting your numbers at work this year. So you're thinking to yourself, what am I going to do next? More of what I did this year. Some of you have struggled like crazy and you right now are thinking about how do I reinvent myself or how do I rebrand my company? How do I reinvent my understanding of my place in the workforce? How do I reinvent my understanding of how to take care of my loved ones as a parent, as a child, as a sibling, as a friend? You see, here in a few weeks, that is the hottest question. What should I do next? Jesus says, could I have a conversation with you about that? You say, absolutely. So we're going to sit down with Jesus. And what we're, we start thinking is, oh, man, wait, I'm sitting down with God. He knows the future. So I'm going to ask him, what should I do next? Jesus says, do you understand what's going on here? You're like, well, yeah, the future's coming at me like a freight train. I've got to do something. Jesus said, no. Do you understand what's happening? Do you understand that your life isn't about 2020 or 2021? You came from God. And God is your future. And if you came from God and God is your future... That is the most important consideration in answering the question. What are you gonna do next? So Jesus says, do you understand what I've done for you? Now follow this. You call me teacher and Lord, Jesus says. Man, you're right. I mean, that is correct because that is what I am. But you see, now that I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. So, let's take a look at this. Jesus says, first of all, okay, let's acknowledge something. I am your your rabbi, I'm your teacher, I'm your guide, right? So I'm the one that reminds you, you came from God. I'm the one that reminds you, you're going back to God. God is your future. So I'm the guide in between. I'm the guide in between your coming, and I am the guide in between your future with God. I'm that guide. Okay, so we acknowledge that. He says, okay, so what do you think you need to do next? Like, well, tell me again what you said. Well, if I, your Lord and teacher, washed your feet, and then we get ahead of him, we say, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. We should have washed your feet. Jesus said, That's that's not what I said. That's what the world would have shaped you to say. Oops, oh man, the most important person in the room, we missed the protocols, we didn't serve the most important person in the room, we should have washed his feet, we should wash his feet in the future. Yeah, we should wash the feet of the most important person in the room so that the most important person in the room will remember at an opportune moment that we washed that person's feet. Jesus said, that is not what I said. What I said was, if I washed your feet, then to your neighbor, that should clarify how important you are. But if I move to your neighbor and then I wash your neighbor's feet, that should clarify how important your neighbor is to you. You see, yes, God is our future. So many of us, listen carefully, spend all of our lives trying to figure out how to wash God's feet so that at the end of it all, somehow we will have earned a way into heaven, that we will have pleased God and somehow God will say, well done, good and faithful servant, and we can kind of say, you know, we did a good job washing God's feet. Well, let me say this. Sure, we absolutely want to spend our lives at the feet of Jesus. We want to spend our lives serving God. But Jesus says, do you understand that what I'm calling you to do is not try to figure out how to wash my feet so that it goes well for you later. I'm trying to show you how to live like me now and begin to recognize the value of your neighbor. Recognize the value of the person next to you, the other person in the classroom, the other person in the workplace, the other person in your neighborhood, the other neighborhoods that are in another part of town. Can you start washing their feet? Jesus said, what do you think? The last podcast of the year, the last podcast of his, of, of his earthly life, the last conversation before he's crucified, that somehow it's not going to require a courageous reckoning of the ways of the world in juxtaposition of the ways of God. You see, all of them would have thought to themselves, oh man, this is miserable. Like Peter We should have washed his feet. He shouldn't be washing our feet. And Jesus says, did you get anything out of this? I'm afraid you might have. I'm afraid you might have got a worldly lesson out of it. Oh man, we should always look for ways to wash the feet of the most important person around us or make sure that we're tending to the needs of God so that in the end it will go well for us. And Jesus said, didn't I teach you that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added. Jesus asks us, when did you redefine salvation as a wage you've earned, rather than a gift you've been given? Whatever you do in word or deed, of course you do it all to the glory of God, But you're not doing it to try to earn something. You're doing it because you've been given something. And so when we look at our neighbor, Jesus says, Do you see in the face and the feet of your neighbor someone that God wants you to love and to serve? You see, when you ask the question, Well, what do we do next? Jesus said, well, you're going to answer that according to how you understand where you've come from and where you're headed. And if you believe that you've come from a place that says that you deserve more than the next person. If you believe that you've come from a place that means you kind of deserve what you get, all the blessings. And if you're headed in a direction that you've got to somehow earn the reward you'll get someday then you're going to live right now as if the most important thing you do is serve important people that in your mind can somehow reward you. But if you believe that you've come from God and God is your future, then that means everyone in your life is important. And that means that everyone's feet are worthy to be washed by you. One of the most profound moments early on after Pope Francis took his position was when he went to a prison not too far from Rome, and he got down on his hands and knees, and he gently washed the feet of the prisoners. And as he washed them so gently and put his face right up next to their feet and even kissed their feet. Whether people were Catholics or not, whether they believed it or not, the world was stunned by such a display of humility. Jesus would say, oh, that's exactly what I did and would do again. But what does it say about your world if you were stunned by it? if you were stunned by it, it's not happening enough. It should be the way of the world because it is the way of God. So, what will you do next? Will you choose to engage in action? You see, Jesus said, I have set you an example that you should do what I've done for you. The idea of catalyzing the courageous conversation. He washes their feet. It catalyzes the courageous conversation. But Jesus said, yeah, but the purpose is to revolutionize the way you love each other. So notice the last thing Jesus says. In verse 17, he says, if you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. So the fact that we know these things is important. We believe we have a shared conviction that courageous conversations should absolutely be nourished conversations they should be nourished by scripture they should be nourished by collaboration they should be nourished by listening and they should be nourished by the great disciplines of research if there's one thing that we must be committed to in our courageous conversations is that we are fearless in our exploration of the great disciplines. When we listen to scripture, when we collaborate with one another, when we engage the great disciplines of philosophy, sociology, anthropology, theology, when we engage psychology, when we try to understand the systems of humanity family systems, personal growth and development, every one of those needs to be engaged. And there is no courageous reason, there's no valid reason to step away from a full courageous engagement in those disciplines. But at the end of the day, as nourished as those conversations are, they will not receive the full blessing until we take action. We must do in order to take the conversation further. There's only so much you can know until you do. We can talk all day about injustice. We can talk all day about healing the fractures of the isms in our world, but until we start having those coffee conversations, those Zoom conversations, those dinner conversations, until we have the courage to aim our churches squarely at the reconciliation of the world. Until we have the courage to do it, our conversations will always be hindered by the lack of knowledge that action brings. So how many of you have tried these courageous conversations this year? How many of you have had some tough ones? Some hard ones. How many of you have said this in 2020? I've lost some friends. It hurts, doesn't it? How many of you have said in 2020, man, I wish there was a way that we could heal these relationships? It hurts, doesn't it? How many of you have said in 2020, I've never seen it this bad. We've never been this polarized. I don't know if it's never been this bad or I don't know if we could say the world has never been this polarized. All I know is 2020 hurts. That's what I do know. And I know we need healing, but there's, there's only so much healing that can happen until we start to do. And when we start to do, the conversation changes because doing adds to knowing. I wanna close with a special word of encouragement. This last summer, On the Love First podcast, in June, we did a special three-part series where we were exploring issues of justice and policy around disabilities and ableism. Those three episodes were profound. They impacted me greatly, and many of you shared the same. But I'm in a discipleship group every Tuesday morning with a group of men. And it wasn't long after those podcasts that one of our leaders said, we need to do something. We have a special way that we do our breakfast every week, a way that all of the men in that breakfast contribute to a mission fund. It's just a group of guys. It's money that builds up, but it builds up over time. These aren't great sums of money, but over time, they build up into great sums of money. So we started giving to a fund in order to help families who were dealing with some of the challenges around disability. Week by week, month by month, we'd reach out to different people we knew in our church and community. Different people would give us a call, send us a text, and say, hey, I know a family that could use some help. And we would share the funds and sometimes our labor to help those families. By the end of the year, that little group, that little Tuesday morning breakfast group had contributed nearly $6,000 to different families. We came into the Christmas season, and we had more than we thought we were going to have. And we reached out to some of the leaders in our church who have helped us in developing these ministry connections for these families and right away, they reached out to their context and begin to share. And people begin to raise their hand and say, I could use some help. I could use some help. And what a miracle it is when people who have been touched by Jesus and start trying to do something are joined by those who know what needs to be done and could guide us and direct us. And when all of those voices come together, Everybody learns something. All of us know more than we knew before because we chose the courageous step to take action. You might feel like that your group, like mine, is pretty small, and you might be inspired to do something like what I just described. You might think, well, I don't have a group. I'm just me. I'm one person out here. What can I do? Well, I want to leave you with a thought. I want to leave you with this thought. How many lighthouses does it take to guide in a thousand ships? How many lighthouses does it take to guide in a thousand ships? What I want to suggest is this. When you allow God's light to shine through you, God will surprise you with all of the good that God can accomplish when you're willing to take action, shine your light, and make a difference. Perhaps that's why Jesus said, you are the light of the world, right? And perhaps that's why Jesus said to his disciples, if you get this foot washing thing right, you'll change the world and you will be blessed. During this season, I want you to move your conversations into action. I want you to take what you have discovered in your own walk with God, in the conversations we've catalyzed, and begin to think, since I'm coming from God and God is my future, what could I do next to show the world that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but would have ever life merry christmas and happy new year okay. My first, I know. My first.